and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, We're going to talk to Justin Zanuck, general manager of the Utah Jazz, coming up here shortly. Stay tuned. We'll ask him about how he thinks his team is playing and uh, what's going on behind the scenes uh, with the Utah Jazz. We always look forward to it when Justin has a moment uh, to make for us. Gordon, uh, we talked to BT in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Roy, uh, Rory McIlroy really struggling at the Masters. Do you enjoy watching golfers uh, not succeed? No. No. I like to see him play well. I, I don't really have any strong desire to see a guy play golf like me not even rory not Why? even the, the you, wh- wh- well what he cut off his engagement to caroline wozniacki via a text yeah uh, i hope yeah, he never i do wins remember again. that i hope he never wins again <laughs> well he he had went on a hot streak after he did that but maybe it's catching up to him now i don't know whatever happened to caroline i think she's still playing some i don't know i Is think she, she got married did she? I think so. Good. She that deserves somebody right. better than Rory. Who breaks up uh, an engagement yeah. with a text? Yeah, I, I got you. Uh, that's a, we all make some mistakes. She right? married David Lee. The basketball the player. You yeah. know what? I knew that, actually, come to think of it. Well, good for her. Hope she's happy. Yeah. Yeah, hey, Man, uh, think about- hey, dear fiance, text, text, text. Welcome to Splitsville. Population, <laughs> you. <laughs> Then a, a, a deuces emoji. Yep. Yeah, I'm he's, thinking, and he, a lose by found, number. Well, you know he he's a he's a busy man, but he's still, no excuse. I, I, I just, They're I engaged. Know, I, I get it. That 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 was unfortunate all the way around. I hope he lived and learned from that, because that's that's not good form. Not that we're being judgmental or anything. Oh, uh, I feel pretty comfortable about judging that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not the best way. To even go about even your breaking up an engagement over the phone would be uncouth. Man, I'll tell you, when two athletes uh, marry and have children, I wonder how much pressure those kids are under. You know, I mean, the, I mean Andre Agassi and uh, what's her name? What's her what's her name again? I'm Steffi. I mean, Steffi Graf. Are kids, other kids going to play tennis? They have and to. And if they do, well, I mean, they certainly have, would probably have, you know, a good opportunity to do so, both from a standpoint of having parents that have uh, the means to do that, but also from a genetic standpoint. But an awful lot of pressure there, you know. See, now, if this were, were China, uh, that kid would be forced to play tennis <laughs> like Yao Ming. Yeah, didn't they get the two tallest people in the country together and say, you're in love now? Not just that. The two best basketball players in the country <laughs> and said, you're in love now. Okay. And okay. there may or may not have been some, uh, you know, unique things that, uh, yeah, like uh, genetic therapy, that sort of thing that also helped him be Which the size think, that he was. 
is. He's What's, not dead. And, and let me ask you this question, and it's got nothing to do with gender. But what do you think is more beautiful, a perfect golf swing or a perfect ten- perfect tennis technique? Um, neither? Beauty? I think both of them just absolutely. When you see somebody swing a golf club just right, it is a thing of beauty. And I've seen enough tennis players through the years that just had perfect form. It just You watch it and you go... It's like poetry in motion. It really is. So I'm thinking if Caroline and uh, Rory had gotten together, I mean, their their children probably would have ended up, uh, you know, uh, with beautiful capabilities. Or managing a Dairy Queen. Who knows? Nothing? Nothing there? I really want to make a joke. But I'm, I respect my parents too much, but I'm going to tell you what the joke was going to be All right. without making it. Uh, it would be funny for somebody, not me, to say, this is why I'm glad I have abject failures for parents. <laughs> I, I like it. I see what yeah. you probably— Not my parents. Not, no, no, no uh, of course not. Sorry I hesitated there, fellas. I was just informed that one of my grandsons dislocated his thumb. Wow, I— that's happened to me before. What is he okay? I I don't know. My wife just walked by and said that, and I and that's why I, I couldn't laugh at your joke. I was just being informed of that. But this is one thing about being a grandparent, or you know, oh, you guys know it as being parents. Anytime a little one hurts himself doing anything, you always man, it gets you a little bit. But Jake, what did that? I mean, was that is your thumb? Did your thumb take a long time for to? To function properly after that? No, actually, not at all. I never went to the doctor for that. Hans popped really? it back in. It was sore for a few days, and then no problem. Oh, well, that's good. That's encouraging. I, yeah, I've dislocated my ring finger playing football once, but uh, it took a while before that thing felt semi-normal again. But you're tougher than I am. So. I don't know if toughness has anything to do with it, but... Uh, I, I was happy I didn't go to the emergency room. That was that was actually uh, Hans's. I think. Uh, how can I put this? The most wise thing Hans has ever told me is when I'm sitting what? there looking at my dislocated thumb. He goes, "Let me pop that back in." I said, "What? Are you crazy?" And he said, <laughs> "He said, listen, I'm a defensive lineman. I've popped literally hundreds of fingers back into joint, which is probably true." And then added, what do you want, it to stiffen up and you go sit and wait in a line at the emergency room and all the adrenaline wears off and they're going to do the same thing to you that I'm going to do? Or you could just let me do it now. And I said, go for it. And he just popped it right back in. It, it definitely swole up over did the next couple sound? of days. It did not, or at least uh, I don't remember it. There's a video of it out there somewhere. Of him popping it back yeah, in? Yeah, uh-huh. Well, it's funny because when I dislocated my finger, the guys on the field did the same thing to me, and they did a good job. I mean, I think they did. I mean, it was okay. So sounds like uh, Hans was uh, uh, Johnny on the spot. Of course, he's probably the one that dislocated it in the first place. No, he didn't. I fell. It was like oh. the most unathletic thing ever. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you made it through that, but I, I hope my grandson's okay. Yeah, no doubt. Well, that's absolutely frightening for sure. So Lisa came in and looked at me with a sad face, and I'm like, "What just happened?" You know. Oh well. All right. I'm I'm collected now. I'm ready to go. 
All right, we're still hoping to talk to Justin Zanuck, general manager of the Jazz, uh, when uh, he's able to jump on with us. And uh, what, what, What's question number one you want to ask the GM of the Jazz? What, what's on your mind, Jake? Is he a waffle cone guy? <laughs> Is he just the normal ice cream cone? Does he go with a bowl? <laughs> with a cone on top? I mean, what? Oh, now I want a waffle cone so bad. Waffle cones are so good. <laughs> Can't you learn a lot from somebody based on how they consume their ice cream? I think you can. <laughs> so make sure that's question number one out the shoe. Don't you think if Xana came on and he's like, yeah, I'm a big waffle cone guy. Don't you think we'd learn a little bit something about him? <laughs> it shows you it can be a little whimsical. Right. A, a little uh, uh, innocent in the mind at times. But yeah. appreciate okay, so, a little bit better cone on. than just your normal uh, uh, whatever cone. Do. I don't even know what it's made of. What, 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 what are your cone? options? Yeah. What are your options on cones? No, we're not. I was making a you joke. Know, we don't need to get into the weeds. So, no, no, those yellow ones, you know, the standard ones, and then you got, you know, did, did you call it the sugar cone? Is sugar cone is? is the standard. Waffle cone is the other one. Oh, I got you. Well, I know, but some of them aren't waffle. They're just that. Ring, that, phone, uh, ring. <laughs> <laughs> now, our listeners want to know the right, you know, what's the right way to do it. I, I agree with you. I'll go with the waffle cone. But there's a different cone, too. There's a, the more narrow, skinny ones, and then there's the kind of square, stumpy ones. I know. Honestly, I think anybody possibly care about this. You know, I've been thinking about what we want to run past uh, Justin uh, all day. Well, actually, going back to when we found out he was going to be on, and I, I honestly, the first thing I kind of wanted to ask him is if seeing Rudy and Donovan perform, and the team as a whole, but specifically those two, given the investment that the franchise made in the uh, in them yeah. in the off season, mm-hmm. I want to know if seeing them play well is like a relief. Not, yes. that he, not that he would expect them to play poorly, but that to see that investment heading in the right direction, there's got to be a little relief there, right? Absolutely. Because, you know, it's like you and I have always said, Jake, it's, it, 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 if you don't have the players, that, that's better than having certain players that you're paying a bunch of money to who aren't panning out the way you want them to pan out. I mean, that's the predicament you want to avoid. And so the Jazz went ahead in good faith and and loaded up on these contracts, and the guys are, are playing terrific this year. And the, the, yeah. thing, the thing is, with the way the NBA works, once the die is cast, it's kind of cast, right? We, we saw that with Andre Karolinko. Right. When it, when it didn't go the right direction, it's not like you can just say, well, that didn't work, and then <laughs> hit the reset on the video game console, you know? Unless, just, you're, a, unless you're a big market team and you can just go out and sign a somebody else and and uh i don't know well even then even then there's some permanence to it right i mean it's it's like you do it you make the investment you get the okay from ownership you you have a plan you've been working toward it negotiating i mean years in the making and then it's finally done and all you can really do is put your hands up in the air and go boy i hope this works yeah, and it went beyond the star players, although that, that is the key. I mean, you've got to have that, right, if you want to contend. And that's what uh, Dennis and Justin have always talked about wanting to accomplish with the Jazz. Uh, go straight to the top, right? Or maybe not straight, but you kind of find your your way to that level. But there are the other guys, too. I mean, the guy like Jordan Clarkson wanted to come back and play for the Jazz. Derek Favors wanted to come back, play for the Jazz. These are these are indications that the environment 
that uh, Dennis and Justin wanted to create with the Jazz is is at least at some level succeeding. Yeah, right. So I, I wonder I mean, if, if it's true. What who is it? Sam Amick told us that, that Mike Conley wants to come back and play for the Jazz. So that's those are very positive signs. But that's that that's got to be an interesting feeling or whatever to see it work. Where I'm sure he's happy about it, but there's got to be the other side too, where he's relieved. Yeah, and and probably lives that uh, on a game by game basis, right? You know, he probably wasn't so relieved after the Phoenix game, but after last night, you know, it probably goes up and down a little bit. But he's got to be pretty excited to see them have the best record in the league, given the amount of faith it takes to give Rudy and Donovan that kind of money. And maybe people think it's oh, it's a no brainer. But hey, when it's your job to get it right, and we're talking about that kind of cash being invested, you got to get it right. And that's why yeah. you know. NBA front offices, it can be an unstable biz. Here today, gone tomorrow, because you, you've got a lot of really important, high-consequence decisions, and you've got to get more right than wrong. Exactly, exactly, because it's very difficult to, to to maintain your position if you don't do that. So, I mean, every, it's a, it's a crapshoot in some cases. I mean, uh, you know, everyone misses on a call here or there, but uh, you've got to get most of them right, especially, I think, for small mar- smaller market teams because they don't have the flexibility that a lot of other uh, some some larger markets or destination markets want uh, or have enjoy because they could make up for their mistakes a little more easily but uh, jazz have done a good job and, and look I, I I think that if I know Dennis right and I don't know how Justin is about this but we can ask him about it but I'm sure that they're emotional about every game they're all over it I mean can't you see Dennis? Dennis is, if he's not in the building, he's watching on TV and he's living and dying with everything going on. But he's smart enough. These guys are smart enough to know that it's, 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 it's just one game. You know, I mean, it's, it's bigger than just that. So do you you remember, and I know you do, so this is rhetorical, I suppose, but do you remember what a lunatic Kevin O'Connor was watching jazz games? Yes. And he'd sit in the same place every single game, and you could look down there, and I, you know, at times I thought, like, hey, Kevin. yelling at officials. How's your blood pressure, bro? Take it easy (laughs) down there. You know, we want you to be around with us. Good heavens. I mean, he was just, you know, I'm kind of joking with the the language that I'm using, but he was like a madman some games. I mean, it. Perfect uh, example of what you're talking about because he lived and died with every possession. And the interesting thing about that is, on the surface, in most circumstances, uh, Kevin was under control. I mean, he was very kind of subdued in a lot of ways and, and kept things buttoned up. And Dennis is a little bit that way too. But I guarantee you, both of those guys and Justin, these are competitive people who really have the, the care factor runs very deep for good reason. And uh, I imagine that it's an emotional roller coaster ride at times. But but you got to keep the the long haul in in mind. And I'm sure they're very curious to see how this season is going to pan out for the Jazz. See to see if they can keep that number one seed. And then of course the playoffs, man. That's that's something that everybody around the Jazz is thinking about. And you heard the guys talk about it. The the players like Donovan and Rudy talk about it before the season ever started. That. The first round in the playoffs is not satisfying to them. They want to go past that. They want to contend. That's what they want to do, and it sure looks like they're heading in a, a very, uh, you know, fortuitous position in that regard. So, Well, I'll tell you what, Zanuck's report card looks pretty good right now. I mean, if you look at the stuff that he's done since um, officially taking the GM job, of course, 
played a big role um, before that as well. But, um, you, you know, the, the Conley trade uh, looks pretty good, yes. particularly since they got favors back, so they didn't give up a whole lot, although Grayson Allen's mm-hmm. playing all right. But, um, uh, you know, that's looking pretty good. The Jordan-Clarkson trade, uh, Gordon, we've had conversations about whether or not that's been the best trade in Jazz history. I mean, yeah. that that has, has worked out so well. But then you look at, like, you know, a lot of people kind of raised an eyebrow when they gave Joe Ingles the extension that they did, and that's looking pretty darn good right now. The same goes for Royce O'Neal, who I know he hasn't shot the ball well lately, but I think everybody can call that a success. So, um, and uh, you know, George Nieg and players that have played their way onto the bottom of the roster as the Jazz have done their evaluating there. I think Mieoni last night was a great example. I think he played some really impactful minutes um, against Portland. I think he looks like he could be a rotational guy pretty easily. So, I mean, there's there's been a lot of success stories as of late from the Jazz roster moves. The only one I can think of, well, there might be more than one, but uh, obviously the ones you just pointed out, uh, very, uh, you know, get an A for those. But the only one I can think of missing on was Devin Booker. Well, that wasn't Justin when he was GM. That's kind of no, what I was No, no, that was Dennis. And I don't count that because if they hit on Booker, they wouldn't have Donovan Mitchell. So I don't count that. Oh, how do you know that? Because I know. You don't know that. Because they traded Trey Lyles for Donovan Mitchell. I know, but they could have traded somebody else. And I could have been a male model. I mean, <laughs> could have, would have, should have. They could, they could have. How do you know they would have you're drafted just, you're Dwight talk- or uh, Kawhi Leonard? No, you're just talking about you're talking about what what is as though that's the only thing that could have happened. I, I'm saying that Devin Booker's a much better player than than uh, than Lyles was. And Mitchell's better than Devin Booker. And if they didn't draft Trey Lyles, they well, wouldn't have Donovan Mitchell. Unless you talk to Eddie Johnson. No, Eddie I Johnson don't agree with Eddie with Johnson. <laughs> I know. So um, I, I would say the misses are the the free agents that they signed last year. And not that we need to get bogged down into the negative, but, you know, Ed Davis, Jeff Green, Emmanuel Moutier didn't round out the roster last year like a lot of people expected. But those are, you know, those are signing vet minimum guys. I mean, the, we mm-hmm. talk about risk factor on moves. Those are low. I mean, the only thing, the only big-time impact those misses had is that they didn't really have a backup big last year, and that hurt them. Yes. But, yeah. I mean, it's not like they signed uh, – who was the guy that Michael Jordan signed in, in Charlotte from Battier? No, not Battier. Who am I thinking? Batum. It's not like he had uh, signed Nick Batum to a max deal. I mean, those are the kinds of deals that really hurt. Yeah. I mean, if, if Rudy and Donovan didn't uh, continue to be all-stars, I mean, th- those deals hurt if you don't get the production out of that kind of dough. Yeah. But missing on NBA, you know, uh, uh, veteran free agent guys, that, that might happen. That's why a lot of it, Jake, when guys haven't proved – what they can do in the in the playoffs, a lot of it you got to read guys' minds. You got to read. You got to sense their attitude, and see how driven they are to get better. And obviously, that's those are strengths of uh, Donovan and uh, Rudy, and and the guys read that right and uh, rewarded them for it. And now uh, those guys are rewarding that trust and faith back. So it's, it works out nicely for everyone. All right, us. We're we're still waiting. Hopefully, on Justin Zanuck. What do we want to do? We want to keep it here. Or should we step aside for a moment? And uh, why don't we step aside for a moment? We're still hoping to track down the Jazz general manager. Stay tuned. It is the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the Zone.
Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk a little Utah Jazz basketball with the general manager of the Utah Jazz. He's our friend Justin Zanuck with us here on The Big Show. Justin, thank you very much for a few moments. How are you? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to hear from you. Absolutely. Just here at the practice facility. Never a dull Um, moment, right? uh, No, never a dull (laughs) moment. Just depends on the day. Well, I, I wanted to start out with this, and Gordon and I kind of debated where we wanted to start with you. And, and let me ask you this. After the offseason, investing uh, what you uh, in the franchise did in, in Rudy and Donovan and Jordan Clarkson, of course, is, is there a relief to it for you, watching them play so well and have the best record in the league? Is that almost relieving, uh, <laughs> considering what big moves those were? I'm, I'm laughing just because of thinking about the idea of relief when you've got like COVID protocols and a compressed season and you're playing every day and you wake up, you know, making sure players are healthy and, and happy and, and playing well and that the team's doing well and representing the organization and the community. And so there isn't much relief mid season as well as, you know, the team has played and gone. It's just always a constant uh, worry. I guess, and not really on results, just about making sure everything's going as as good as possible for these guys to be able to perform their best. So relief, I think, is maybe off-season when I get about four or five days of vacation or something is a relief. (laughs) So, Justin, uh, what do you, uh, based on what you've observed with your own eyes this season, is it going about the way you had envisioned it in your mind? What what are you seeing? I see it. Certainly, you know, you always hope that when, you know, work with a group of coaches and players in front office with Dennis and David and our our great staff that all of the work that we all put together to put this together goes well. That's always a good thing. Um, I think what my hope was for uh, this group that the continuity um, and even, you know, bringing – Jordan back as a free agent was continuity and even bringing Derek Favors back was continuity with just a one-year break that they would have the ability to learn lessons if we could keep them healthy and safe and their commitment to each other would allow them to learn whatever lessons or things that they needed to adjust, improve, and play for each other as the season unfolded. You just don't know. You get a schedule at the beginning of the year. You don't know what sort of obstacles or things that you have to fight through, whether it's personally or the schedule or anything else that comes up this year. And we've had a few things that have come up this year that they have handled very well and continue to learn about that so that hopefully we're playing our best come playoff time. 
Justin, Coach Snyder is talking a lot about a, a, his team uh, improving and a commitment to improve on a game-in and game-out basis. And, you know, watching Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert in particular in their careers evolve, it seems to me uh, from the outside looking in like they're very coachable. And as you're, uh, you know, um, forming a team, how important is coachability and how difficult is that to spot in young players? Ooh, um, good question, Jake. I think... I'll take the second part first. Um, with young players, you know, well, frankly, whether young players, old players, when you're talking about team building, you're still trying to predict human beings, and that can be very difficult um, in any profession. So what you try to do is figure out what those players are about, uh, what their commitment is, um, what their priorities are, how they are as people, let alone their skill level and competency to play at the highest level. But if you, you have to have both um, here in Utah as well so that our coaching staff, our health performance staff can put that group together and get the best out of them. But they have to have those qualities, that, uh, this you know, hunger to improve, um, the obvious unselfishness that you know coach talks about a lot, and um, the desire to play for their teammates and uh, – sort of that shared sacrifice and so we try to get it as right as we can most of the time we don't don't always get it right but um having those base characteristics are are huge to give us even the chance of competing at a high level justin how would you rate donovan's leadership rudy's leadership given the fact that they they really haven't gone deep in the playoffs before i mean donovan's 24 years old could you sense from him the rudiments necessary for great leadership? I think that, you know, since Donovan's been here day one, we've seen a progression and he has, you know, great awareness of the things around him and a commitment to his teammates and a desire to improve. And so seeing that on a daily basis, um, it's frankly what we hoped and, and expect, you know, just, years and reps in the league continue when when you're built like that that i would expect him to he looked like a a young early leader with the role he was thrown into uh in his first season and he's only continued to improve from that rudy as well uh with his competitiveness and learning the league and improving every single year and you see the exact same progression i'm very pleased that they've taken some of the lessons, both positive and negative, over the results in the early parts of their career to really continue to improve. And I think they both made, you know, continue to make great strides uh, in that area of leadership. What does it say about your team, Justin, that, uh, you know, they had a tough night Wednesday against Phoenix, losing in overtime, tons of energy expended in that game, and just mere hours later to come back in this building and beat a really good Portland team by 19. What does it say to overcome some adversity like that? I think it's, you know, again, they're showing that they're learning the lessons and being able to make adjustments and their focus. It's hard to you know, maintain that constant focus and, and have things go right every single game for 72 games. So the ability to adjust, the ability to recalibrate on a, you know, a quick turnaround when you know your legs are going to be tired and, you know, the closeness and communication of the group, that being with 
coach and his his game plans and them executing it and then players talking among themselves about you know what they need to to do that night and accomplish also with the greater goal in mind is is to be at a level to you know go far in the playoffs and that's that's their goals and our goals and they have to do that by being able to adjust quickly you know playoff series can change on a game-by-game basis uh, in terms of what's thrown at you and how you adjust. So that ability to learn those things and what they need to improve and, and then execute on it is it's always great to see. So, Justin, as the trade deadline approached, you're sitting there evaluating your team probably game-by-game and looking at what's going on. And other teams, there was a flurry of activity. Did you uh, was there anything going on with the Jazz, or did you sit back and say, "Okay, look, uh, it's like Fonz looking at himself in the mirror to comb his hair," and he goes, "Ah, I, I like what I see." What what was that process like? Gordon, did you just call me the Fonz? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I hope I don't take look it, like him. I, he's like eighty now, right? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I was okay. referring to the happy days okay. time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll go back and watch it. <laughs> um, look, the trade deadline. You know, not to give you the stock road answer. It's just our jobs in in the front office is to continually evaluate and support our team and look for opportunities that make sense to. You know, if there's an opportunity to add to the team that would make sense for the Jazz and for the team for this year, mid, short-term, mid-term, long-term, we're open for it. Given um, the early uh, results, or now you know, two-thirds into the season, the results of being very good, and there also comes part of you know players that, to our extent that we can uh, acquire, uh, given that. You know, a large part of our assets are wrapped up into the highest performing players on our team. And then anybody that would be available would require, you know, maybe disruption of that core group and the group of our team when clearly they have and results have shown that they're a superior group. So nothing just made sense in that way that would improve um, the team. And, and we were, you know, frankly, the, the guys that play a ton of minutes for us and are responsible for those results along with coach, that continuity is valuable going into the playoffs. You know, the other teams making their moves, they they see if they see that they need something or that they can do that. But, you know, our guys have played and, and coach has done a good job of developing our depth that we feel really good about this, the group that we have. What is uh, in Justin Zanuck with us, general manager of the Jazz? Uh, what has the transition uh, in ownership been like for you, going from the Millers to the Smiths? I mean, it, you know, obviously, I'm grateful to the Dennis and the Millers for giving me a, a start and a home that my family and I, you know, love Utah and all the great things that they did for the community and the Jazz and their stewardship and really the, you know, their mentors to me. And I'm really happy for them that they made a decision that made sense for the Millers, the community, and Gail's philanthropic efforts to really supercharge this and be forever grateful for them. And then also them finding and agreeing with Ryan, who's, you know, just been really great to deal with and 
get to know his energy, his passion for it, his his acumen, uh, his eye, all of those things as we're helping him learn sort of the ins and outs of this, that he's very well-versed and very intelligent and picks up quickly. And uh, the support, you know, of us, the coaching staff, health performance, and the players has just been, it's been great. Can't say enough good things about both. So you mentioned COVID a couple of times. I'm, I'm, I wanted to ask you, Justin, about the situation with that. The Jazz have the best home record. How many straight now has it been, Jake? Was it 22? 23? 23, 23? Mm-hmm. So whatever. I mean, think about what that will be like when, when the building is fully loaded up again. Do you anticipate that that might happen? I know you're not a doctor or an epidemiologist, <laughs> but uh, would no. you think that will be the case come playoff time? I think that the NBA um, will will follow, and you know, obviously the Jazz will follow all the NBA protocols in coordination with the public health department um, with respective states. And so, to the extent that they are comfortable um, with you know whatever limits that they want to place on with the number of fans in the building, and think the Jim Olson and his group, and along with the arena, have done a great job of the fan experience coming in, um, making the fans feel safe. And it really is nice to have fans. Our players really appreciate it, um, especially our great fans. Um, there's just an atmosphere. It's just different, even if there's only, you know, 5,000-plus in, in a building of 18,000-plus. You really feel it as opposed to when you go on the road and some of these buildings that are closed or have, you know, 30 or 40 people in them. Uh, creating that own your own energy, especially on road trips, can be a challenge. And at home, you have a place where the fans can give you energy. So, to whatever extent that it's safe um, and appropriate as we get into the playoffs, if if we can, the more the better for me. That way, as long as it's safe, and I know our our players really enjoy playing in front of our crowd. You've dealt, uh, and I'm saying uh, as a franchise, not necessarily just you personally, but you guys have dealt with a lot of bizarre situations uh, over the past uh, year or so, of course, uh, Rudy, the coronavirus. But uh, the issue with the plane a couple of weeks ago and it, uh, you know, the encounter with birds and we've heard the the player's account on on what it was like. uh, Was that a new one for you? How hard are some of these situations to deal with when they pop up? Do you guys ever just have a normal day? Just take it day by day, Jake. I was actually on that plane. Oh, really? Um, I was on the trip, and I was sitting just over the left wing. Um, so we, had, I don't know, it was maybe seven or eight minutes after takeoff, and you just hear this big, like, whomp. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see this, like, flash of orange. And then the plane, not in a violent way, but starts to tilt left and you just hear this grinding of the engine like wow something where you know i was thinking the other day i've probably been on over a thousand flights um easily over the last 20 years and i'm not i haven't ever heard an engine do that <laughs> or i've had a couple things that, you know happen on planes like dropping out altitude with turbulence and things like that or you know, landing gear things, but nothing where you're like, oh, that engine just went out. And, you know, in, in events like that, you know, whether it's, you know, you've heard about like car accidents or other things that where you're not sure exactly how long something happens, 
in a, in a traumatic event. So five seconds can feel like five minutes. Um, but there was a period of time there where, you know, in between us not knowing what happened and the pilots doing their checks, who are great, by the way, great expertise, very calm, um, landing was no problem. But there's a period of time there you're like, okay, what's going to happen? And that part of unknown and then also that you're sitting there, you're not in control at all you know, gives you some perspective, but, um, it was, a it, anybody that says that it wasn't scary, uh, you know, I'm not sure that they were on the plane or anything else. I, I will say that there wasn't any screaming or like panic. It was pretty calm and quiet as people thought about stuff. And, um, you know, I think there's probably two or three minutes later after the pilots did their checks, the, them coming on saying, Hey, you know, we had to check to make sure the right engine's okay. We we think we hit a bunch of birds, left engines out. Uh, we're going to circle around and land, and landing shouldn't be an issue. Just to let you know, there'll be fire trucks there just out of policy, but we don't expect any problems, and the landing was very easy. And, you know, we had a chance to decompress before we had to get back on a plane, you know, four or five hours later. So because you have traveled so much, Justin, uh, and uh, I'm sure anybody who travels as much as you have has thought about uh, a, a situation like that and I hope they never would face it. But did you react the way you anticipated or did you surprise yourself? <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I didn't self-evaluate afterwards, you know, saying, hey, would I handle this differently? Because uh, to your point, Gordon, I hope, you know, no one ever has to go through that. I Yeah. I think for me, it was just more, you know, the thought that passed through my mind was just like, okay, if this is my time, then this is my time. Hopefully it's not. And, uh, you know, like I said, in that three, two or three minutes before the pilots got on, you know, the, the plane wasn't, other than the sound of the grinding of the engine and the extinguisher on it, you know, the plane was probably react a little differently if the thing was, you know, going into a nosedive or something and dropping 15,000 yeah. feet, you know, the, it was pretty, you know, you're kind of there with your thoughts. Well, I'll tell you, if I'd been sitting next to you and the plane went into a nosedive, I'd probably be grabbing a hold of you and saying, That's right. I'll hold Mama, your hand anytime. You know? I'll hold your hand anytime <laughs> you like, Gordon. Okay. I know, lot, I know, lot, I know lot, Jake carries you and holds your hand through most of these shows anyway. So. It's been that way for a long True. time. Yeah. True. Uh, okay, this might, be, this might be a bad time to ask this question, but I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. Um, as you go through your duties uh, leading this team, uh, what's your favorite part of this, and what's 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 your least favorite, or what's the hardest part, or what's the easiest? I, I don't know. Phrase that any which way you can interpret it. But what do you like best, and what do you like least? So, I'm a team guy, Gordon. Um, I like helping uh, groups of people and contributing whatever I can with, you know, my mentor Dennis and and his leadership and Q's on-court leadership and Mike Elliott's health performance leadership, uh, the players on the court. And so for me, the best part is doing whatever I'm asked to do uh, in a role that can help support all of us in the goal that we all have, and that's to you know compete at the highest level and be the last team standing. So being part of that group, um, you know, and all the other people that, too many to name that 
help our players perform at the highest level. Uh, that's the most rewarding. Um, you know, some of the parts that it's more the the worry and stress when you want to make sure, and not so much of like how a game goes, but you know, players staying healthy, players staying safe. Um, you know, our our employees, our leadership team of them and their mental health and physical toll it takes in a season is compressed like this. The testing, um, making sure guys are, are doing what they're supposed to do with their protocols and, and making sure everyone's healthy. That that constant, um, you know, vigilance, you know, can be stressful, but it's part of the job and something that that's part of the role that we help here in the front office to support these guys to help them accomplish their ultimate goals. Justin, thank you very much for coming on with us. It's always a great pleasure to have you on the show, and congratulations on uh, the success of your team. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. You guys have a good weekend. Back at you. Thank you, Justin. Jazz General Manager Justin Zanuck with us here on The Big Show. And uh, it is it is always fun to have him on the show. He has a great way of communicating and explaining and breaking it down. The thing about Justin is he's been on all sides of this basketball thing this whole, he know, knows the game the the game and i'm not saying the game of basketball but the the game of uh the nba because he's represented athletes and he's been on the other the management side and uh, and gets it maybe that's a part of the value of having somebody who is uh, comprehensive in that regard all right uh, stay tuned we'll have more big show coming up next 97.5 and 1280 the zone your hand then you blow it but it isn't meant for me and I noticed if the choice was ours alone then why'd we both choose letting go see this is this is interesting I'll say okay it's the big show Gordon Monson Jake Scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone thanks to Justin Zanuck for jumping on with us in the last segment and, and, Gordon, we were talking about big moves in the NBA and how much pressure there is to succeed and those sorts of things. Austin and I were just yeah. talking about something in the in the break. So the Marvin Bagley uh, will be in town to take on the Jazz tomorrow night. Bagley was picked second in that draft, right? It went uh, Aiton, Bagley, then, uh, well, then Doncic, then Trey Young, but uh, the, the Mavericks traded for Doncic, traded Trey Young, right? So, in a sense, Atlanta picked... Um, Trey Young over Doncic, so we can kind of count those. Those four players will always be linked, but uh, it, Trey Young went fifth. Still, same difference. You get my point here. Yeah. So it, it, maybe if you're a GM, you don't get Luca, and maybe you didn't pick him. Maybe you missed on him. But you want to be the team that grabs. Well, uh, let me put it this way: I compared it to the Michael Jordan draft. You look at the Rockets and you go, okay. You didn't draft Michael Jordan, and that's not good. But you drafted Akeem. So, I mean, we can't be too mad at you. Mm-hmm. It's Sam Bowie that you look at and you go, oh, my gosh. Sam Bowie, like Locke, getting hit with the T-shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's that's Marvin Bagley, right? Yeah, if you're yeah. if you're the Suns and DeAndre Ayton looks like he's on the way to, to having a pretty productive NBA career, you're like, okay, well – you know, DeAndre Ayton, he's still a good player. Trey Young, probably going to be a multi-time All-Star. He may not be Luka, but, you know, 
you, you, you're okay making that mistake if you get Trey Young. We get it, we come back. Jazz by nine. But you look at Marvin Bagley, left in the cell. and oh this is God. what you think. <laughs> you just don't want to be the Marvin Bagley team. Maybe you're right. not the Luka team, but you just don't want to be the Marvin Bagley team. I think I'd rather get hit in the face by a T-shirt like a thousand times over, other than uh, and make that rather than make that kind of mistake. That's the brutal one. That's why Vladi will never yeah. get a job again. Yeah. Well, that and he didn't know what a trade exception is. <laughs> he did not know what a trade exception was. That is, oh, that is details. Yeah. What, you know, why would a general manager need to know? What's a CBA? Was? I've heard of. A, but how many? How many? Honestly, how many GMs go conservative because they don't want to be the Marvin Bagley team? That's right. the other side of the coin, though, right? Yeah. Is you you uh-huh. make the safe pick because you don't want to be that team right mm-hmm. it's 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 easy I, for us to sit here and and make fun of uh vladi divots and whoever else i'll tell you this right now i would i do not want to be a general manager of anything ever you know why I would, you get I all would. the blame all of the yeah, blame you get, you get some all, credit you get, a, you get all the credit you get a lot of credit too i mean you but know, mostly you blame decisions, you know and no i, I mean know. are I, people I wearing think, uh are people wearing donovan mitchell jerseys or dennis Lindsay and justin zanuck jerseys no but there's and there's who's asking why did they draft and Trey Lyles job, instead you know? of that, Devin Booker? That, that's the way, yeah, that's that the way is a is. great <laughs> point that happened <laughs> that like 10 not. years ago and it comes that's up a, on the show nearly daily yeah, that, 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 no we were we were giving all this credit and so I just wanted to give a little frick to the frack <laughs> you know I mean what do you guys uh, all I was, was balancing the discussion out a little bit I wasn't that wasn't the don't you ever call me a homer of the of the discussion so, you know, I mean, but I remember when that draft happened and I was sitting there going, I know this is easy in hindsight for all of us to say, but weren't we all kind of enamored by Doncic? Weren't we intrigued by what that guy could do? And he turned out being better than people thought. Not Robert Sarver. Uh, but you, you, uh, the thing about that, actually, you went a different direction that I, I thought you were going to go. But don't you love I saw it in his eye guy? You know, when, when an NBA player goes out there and scores 40 and some uh, hack media member is like, I saw this look in his eye before the game, man. Where you're like uh, attaching it to, like you're calling yourself smart, but you're saying I saw it in his eye. Like, wh- what did you see in his eye exactly? This is a little Was it a little less bloodshot than is, usual? Did it, no, it, where his pupils dilated? What did you it's see? One th- it's one thing to say you're looking in someone's eye, you saw it in the eye. It's another to look at some of the film and say, no. hey, that guy's that guy's pretty darn skilled. No, I, I think I'll you... draft him instead of the guy who's going to give me 13 and 7. No, I thought you were going to go a different direction. I, well, I thought I you were going to say, well, uh, I saw it in uh, Booker that he was no. going to be the greatest player since sliced bread, which is not well, the way I that did you think, went. I did, I did think Booker was going to be So you are, I saw it in his eye, eye guy. No, no. It's, just, it's, it's not see it in the eyes. It's evaluate the talent. We saw Booker a lot. We saw what he could do in college, and we saw elements of, of, of what this way he could score. I mean, but the Jazz at that time decided they they were, wanted to emphasize something else, so they did what they did. But on the whole, they did a lot of really good things too. So I don't want to make it sound like I was picking out one little 
wasn't a stake along the way. There was, you know, there were really, there were triumphs. Too. Don't you love that, though, that I saw in his eye guy? Like, you know, an NBA player scores 40 in a game, and he, let's go down to the sidelines and talk to Bob. Well, uh, Charlie, I uh, I saw Michael Jordan warming up before the game, and he just had a look in his eye that it was going to be something special tonight. Back to you. No, see, like, I think really? it's got nothing to do with it's got nothing to do with the look in his eye. It's got the yes, to do with the fact that he's Michael Jordan. Right, that's exactly. And you know what point. he's capable of doing. Same thing when you're evaluating talent. You've watched him play. You know, or at least you should have the acumen to know what he's capable of doing moving forward. And yeah, there's some luck involved in that. I get it, but it's more than just some bogus proclamation about. An expression on his face. Yeah. So, so you're gonna miss draft picks, but don't not know the CBA. Yeah. That's the that's, that's the thing. That's key. Yeah, that's key. <laughs> and yet there are the cases too, Gordon, where you watched Kawhi Leonard his entire collegiate career and never would have predicted he would be an NBA champ and all NBA player. Well, that's true, especially with the shot, with his offensive capabilities, because there are some surprises. So Look, where I, were you I, on I that one, Gordon? Tell me. Magic Johnson is pound for pound oh, there, the best point guard who ever lived. There is no doubt. I saw Kawhi Leonard play, and I thought he was going to be a very good NBA player. I didn't think he was going to be what he turned into, but I, I, you know, I hadn't really studied him out in that fashion. That wasn't my job. Go Lobos! That's, that's what the GMs are supposed to do. Yeah, right? you that's had that Lobo bias. You did not that, think he was going to be that's good. That's one thing that I was really interested in. What Justin Zanuck said to us was his concern for the players on a day-to-day basis in a in a freaking pandemic, you know. But even even when there's not a pandemic going on, I'm sure being the GM of a club is a little like being principal of a school. It's not one of those jobs you just go home from it to, you know, you go home at night and you sit there and relax and you don't have to worry about anything. It's kind of a 24-7 thing, hoping everybody is okay and everybody's ready to go and everyone's ready to play and everyone's got the right mindset to play. And uh, that came through loud and clear with we I think he said that two or three times. All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a Friday Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, it's been an eventful week. It has been. Lots going on and uh, interesting stuff. I mean, the Jazz have faced... Different uh, circumstances, uh, had some challenges. And boy, you talked about, we talked earlier about the uh, the airplane situation. I mean, that that's about as uh, challenging as it gets. But competitively speaking, they've faced some challenges and had to make some adjustments. And that's what makes what they did last night against Portland so impressive. So we'll see where they take it from here. The Jazz are going into a period of time where their schedule isn't the toughest and we'll see if they can take advantage of that in regard to uh, the way the standings are. But, uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff going on. we got the NFL draft coming up not that far away. Uh, lots going on around these parts. Including you are going to help me tomorrow on Jazz Pre, Half, and Post, which uh, and, and Gordon, I'm actually really looking forward to that game, not only because I get to uh, work with you on a Saturday, which I will enjoy, but I love watching De'Aaron Fox play basketball. The The Kings may stink, but he's super fun to watch. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, he's he's what you want in a point guard, right? Well, I he's mean, super athletic. Mo- he's got yeah, electric speed. Game. Yeah, he's fun to watch. 
What's he averaging uh, as far as assists go? I don't know. I, I, we'll study that. Well, when you don't have long, anybody but... to pass to, Gordon, I, I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> Here, let me look it up. Hang on. Give me a yeah, second. Yeah, but, but, and that's what you have to be. You have to be able, in the modern game, you, you have to be able to score. You have to be able to share the ball. You have to have good floor vision. And it seems like he's got all that covered, even playing on a crappy team. 24.6 so, points per game, 7.1 assists, 3.4 total rebounds his effective field goal percentage is 52.4 percent which is uh really good considering he shoots 32 percent from three how'd you like to try and cover him one-on-one well are you asking me personally because well i mean that's just challenging for anybody i mean it'd be fine for me because i just stand there as he went by me Olay. Yeah, I mean yeah. there wouldn't be yeah, there wouldn't be much you. of an effort there, I suppose. But I I am serious about that. He is super fun to watch, and I do think that that game tomorrow. Uh, yeah, it is tomorrow. Tomorrow night will be will be interesting. And Buddy Heald can really shoot it. So yes, maybe we can salvage a, a fun game to watch. I'll tell you what though, Marvin, that Marvin Bagley pick is looking worse and worse by the day. Yeah, yeah, it's these decisions they uh, they come back to bite you. And uh, that's the thing. There's no running and hiding from a bad one, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, think about this. We saw DeAndre Ayton the other night. I mean, maybe not an all-star, but very much improved. Certainly a key yes. component to what they do. Uh, yep. Luca's an MVP candidate. Trey Young, the Atlanta's in, what, fourth in the East right now? And that guy's scoring, you know, 27 points a game or whatever it is over there. And then you look at Marvin Bagley. Woof. Well. 13.9 <laughs> points per game. Seven point four rebounds, and uh, that's not horrible. It. What do you mean, not horrible? Not horrible for not the horrible, second but... pick in the draft <laughs> in his third year, right? Well, when you compare it to the the others, it uh, it does uh, pale. But uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm not. We'll see if the Jazz are able to contain uh, that guard line, and uh, well, that, I'll make the prediction be they'll be able to contain on. Marvin Bagley. Okay, <laughs> because most people do. Most teams do. Fact. All right, Gordon. Well, well, uh, I will talk to you tomorrow, buddy. All right. Look forward to it. It's the big show, Movie Zone, coming up next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone.